hey, I got to be honest with you. Uh, what I had planned for this night was to talk about Joseph, because as we are walking through the stories of the Bible on Sunday morning, that was the uh, that was kind of the assignment for the night was to talk about Joseph. But I got up Tuesday morning, had my time alone with the Lord, and He changed it. And so here I am, fresh. I got to be honest with you, I might get a little ramped up uh, because I believe. And what God is doing in our midst, and I believe that what God wants to do in our hearts is to change us. He does not want to leave us in the state of where we are right now. And in so many ways, this talk is really to gear you up and to get you ready for an incredible weekend at Catalyst. Not because you get to hang out with your friends, although that is good. Not that you actually get to sing the song, your favorite song that you wanted to, although that is good. Not that you get to spend the night on Saturday night with your host home and hang out with your friends and have some fun, although that is good. I really do not want Catalyst to be an event for you. Let me just say that again. If you're attending Catalyst this weekend, I don't want this to be just another event for you. Because it could be just an event that we show up and have nice little pictures on the wall. It could be that for you. I don't want that for you, though. And I hope you don't want that. But rather, I hope it's an encounter that you have as a part of the weekend. That it's more than just an event that you kind of check the box, like you would go to a basketball game, right? You go to the Memphis Grizzlies, that's an event, right? Um, this is not an event. I mean, one, we're inviting the God of the universe to come in. And because of that, yes, because of that, it changes everything. It goes from an event to an encounter because Almighty God is coming to we're inviting him to come and be a part of this. And so this is the encounter that I'm praying that God does as a part of our time. And so my talk tonight is simply that. I want to prepare your heart for what could be the most life-changing weekend. <laughs> you know what's even mind-boggling? It could happen right now. Like, right here, right now. This could be the moment that God gets a hold of your life and changes it forever. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with God changing you right now? That's where I want to start. Some of us hate change. Some of us don't like it at all. Not an amen yet. Some of us don't like change. Why? Because we love our safety, we love our security, and all those kind of things. We want to have our thing, right? And don't you ever change that, because if you change that, mm, I'm going to be mad. I am the poster child for change. And I'll tell you why. My dad's in the military. When I was growing up, I moved every three years, just like clockwork. I'm also in ministry. I've not stayed at the same church the whole time that I've been doing 30 years of ministry. This is no joke and no exaggeration. I have moved my stuff 28 times in my life. I'm not, I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating. If anybody <laughs> has a right to gripe about change, it would be me. And I remember one specific moment when I was in high school. I was in Austin, Texas, graduated from Bowie High School in 1991. Go dogs! It was the Bulldogs. But as I was growing up in high school, we were living in Austin, Texas, I got really close to a group of friends, Matt, Alicia, Todd, and uh, Rebecca. And so the five of us would hang out, and we would do life together, just like many of you have a group of friends that you do life with. That was me when I, when I was in high school. 
And I spent so much time with them and got to know them. We went to camps. We did church together. We had Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. We'd all sit in the youth section together. We did, I mean, I would go to their prom, and they would go to my prom. If we had a homecoming dance at one school, I would go to theirs, and they would come to mine. Like, it was just, we had a great time. And then four months before my graduation, four months before I graduated, my dad announced to the family, we need to move. I was living in Austin, Texas, and dad said, you know what? We're moving. They're repositioning us to Hurlburt Air Force Base in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And I remember the day that he said that to us. And I'm telling you, mad to level 10. Level 10. And my immediate, my immediate re- emotion was, why God? Why would you do this to me? And I'll be honest with you, it was probably the worst four months of my life. From the time that that announcement happened to the time when I left my friends in the parking lot of my church on that Sunday night, it was misery. I shed, I can't tell you how many tears in that moment. I can't, I can't tell you the silence that I sat in outside of that time. Like in the car ride home, when I got to the house, even as the packing truck is closing it up and we're getting in the car and leaving, and I get to Fort Walton Beach. Now, granted, that's a pretty sweet gig, right? To be honest with you, if you like the beach, you're going to love living in Fort Walton Beach. But I was so lonely, and I hated every second of it. Because what I knew and I loved, I just left. Change happened. And as I look back on those times when I was in high school, I experienced just about every emotion you can imagine. Joy of being with my friends, but also The opposite of that, (laughs) anger, (laughs) mad, (laughs) loneliness, depression, all of those things just flooded my heart and flooded my life, and I didn't like it. I was mad at my parents. I was mad at my siblings. I was mad at everybody. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When things don't go your way, you take it out on everybody around you. You're bitter. And, buddy, I was bitter. But it wasn't until a year later, a whole year later, that I finally got over my pride-filled pity party. A year, y'all. And when I stepped foot on the campus of Carson Newman College in East Tennessee, it was like the Lord did something in me, a new thing started. And I began a new journey of understanding what his calling and placement on my life was. Because I had experienced so much with the Lord when I was in high school. Surrendered a call to ministry when I was a sophomore. I had a great group of friends. I had it, man, I had it made. But the winds of change blew over my family, and we had to move. You know what? Many of us have, you don't like change. You're like, Steve, that's the worst story you could ever tell me about change. But here's what I'll tell you. As I look back on it, And now I have the opportunity to look back at it in hindsight. I can see how God intended that for my good. He intended that season of change to happen in my life because my character grew so much more. One, I became so much more dependent on the Lord, not dependent on my friends. I became so um, trusting of what God wanted to do in my life as it being good and not for my harm. 
God didn't hate me because he changed the location of my family. If anything, he grew me in so many ways into a deeper understanding of who he is and what he wants to do in my life. And so for many of us in this room, we hate change and are fearful of it. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. But if you're going to let any kind of change happen, don't you want the God of the universe to do it? If there's anybody in your life that has the opportunity or even the authority to be able to change some things in your life, don't you think it ought to be God that would do that? That's the spot where you say amen. Because that's a good thing. We would want the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. He can change us. If you're a believer in Christ, here's point number one. If you're a believer in Christ, we must be open to change. We must be. We need to be. And what that looks like is simply this. Palms open. Spiritually speaking, palms open. God, I want you to change me. It's not gripped, fist. It's not pride filled. It is simply, God, change me. Do something different. Do something in me. It's a heart that's tender to the things of God. You want God to do something. And it moves you emotionally, spiritually. It moves you. It's also the mind, your heart, your mind is aware of the things. Your mind is aware of whatever thoughts that he wants to change. That I'm going to do that. And then my feet, as a believer, is ready to move whenever he says go. I think about, we've been going through the Old Testament, our stories of the Bible. We think about all the times when God called Abraham. Or Abram at that time. Hey, I want you to go to a different land. Hey, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt and let my people go. I think all the times that God spoke into all of these men and they walked in obedience, their feet were on the move. It's because God, because God was using them to change so many. Colossians 1.6 says this. It says, the same good news that came to you is going out to all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it, as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I love that. Just as it changed your life from the day you first heard. Believers in the room, believers in the room, I hope that your heart is in a posture of change of anything welcoming that, and such that God would grow you up in your faith, that you would not be idle in your faith, but if anything, that you would allow the Spirit of God to be over your life and that you would follow Him. If there's a sin in your life, that you would allow Him to change that sin, and you would do that through seeking repentance and forgiveness. And God will mold you and make you into the man or the woman of God that He would want you to be. Believers, are you open to change? Are you open to change? Or have you gotten so pride-filled in your spirituality, in your Christianity, in your faith, that you're like, nope, I like it just the way it is. And then on the other side, there are non-believers in the room, and many of us in this room, the non-believers don't know God has the power to change them. There's some of you in this room that do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You do, you're not a believer in Him. And I have to tell you, 
That if you would simply see a God who loves you and cares for you, that sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you, to take away that sin, if you would understand the power that he has to be able to change your eternity in one prayer of faith, it would blow your mind. Because that is what God does. He takes people from death to life. We're going to talk about that in just a second. He's good at that. And he changed my life when I was eight years old. I got to tell this story last night to a group of friends. They asked me, Steve, we've never heard your testimony. We would love to hear it. I was eight years old. I thought I was the best soccer player on the planet. Of course, every eight-year-old kid believes they're the best in anything, right? And that's me. I thought I was the best soccer player ever. And I'd grown up in church. My mom was always the church secretary. My dad was always the deacon. And so we were in church all the time. And I had heard the gospel. I had heard who Jesus was my whole life. But for whatever reason, on that way home from that soccer game, my dad looked at me and said, Steve, there's more to life than playing soccer. And when he said that, it was like light bulbs going off my head. I knew it. And right there in the carport of my home, a navy blue Buick Regal that was navy blue on the outside and navy blue on the inside and had big old cushy seats in it. I mean, the big cushy seats. They don't make them like that anymore. And I sat there with my dad, and he led me in the Roman road. And if you're not a believer in Christ, what that means is verses in Scripture in the book of Romans that help us understand what it means to seek the Lord, uh, forgiveness of sin, and to invite him to come into your heart and life. My dad led me in that prayer, and I prayed that prayer right there. And it is that prayer of faith that I prayed that God saved me. And I believe in this moment, right here, right now, I'm going to heaven because I prayed that prayer when I was eight years old. And there's power in the saving work of God. And he wants to change your eternity. And he can do it right now. If you're not a believer in the room, I would just invite you just to think about that. Think about your eternity. Where will you spend the end of your life? Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? And what you do with Jesus right here, right now, is eternally important. And whether you're going to invite him into your life or you're going to sit there and rebel and say no. And my heart for every one of us in this room is that we would be in a right relationship with God. We may not be in a perfect relationship with God, but we're in a right relationship with God. And we're always pursuing him. And so for the believers in the room, are you open to change? For the non-believers in the room, would you simply see the power that God has over your life to change your eternity? Isaiah 55, 6-7 says this, Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now while He is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for He will forgive generously. You know what that says? No matter how bad your sin is or how bad you think your sin is, there's a loving God who wants to forgive you of that sin, and he can do it right here and right now. Your life can be changed right here and right now. If you simply surrender that wickedness, that sin to him, and allow him to forgive you and for you to have eternity and peace with God. Many of us are fearful of change, honestly. Our sinful habits have just convinced us that we just, we got to have the sinful need. We got to have it. We got to have it in our lives. We, we have to have it. We're needy of it. And we're not going to let it go. And we're fearful of change. We cling to it. 
Whatever it is, we seek safety and security in it. But I want to be very clear with all of us that what God is good at doing is changing us. What God is good at doing is changing us. And I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. And he's going to change you in three ways. You ready? Here it is. He's going to change you in three ways. I'm going to walk through these pretty quick. One, what God wants to do to change in us is first our heart and soul. Our heart and soul. This is talking about eternity. The first thing that God cares about is are you in a relationship with him? He knows the separation of sin. He knows what that has done. And he did something about that separation of sin. Because God is holy. He can't be with sin. You know what he did? He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, down the cross. It wasn't that you did anything for that. It was a free gift from God. You didn't deserve that. But God, in his love and his thoughtfulness of you and the state of sin, he sent his one and only son to die. And what he wants to do in your heart and in life, he wants to change your heart. He wants to change your soul. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. The old is gone. Gone. Peace out. It's gone. And what God wants to do is to change your heart. He wants to change your soul. He's going to make you into a new creation. And it's not a new creation on the outside, y'all. It's not like you're going to get a facelift because you know Jesus. Although you may smile a little more. Right? Oh, don't you think our culture does a lot of that to change our outward appearance, right? Botox, ooh, yeah, they do it all, right? They do everything they can to change their outward appearance because they think their outward appearance is what needs to be fixed. No, y'all, no. If anything, it's what's on the inside of our hearts. What God wants to do on the inside matters. For that change happens right there in our heart and our soul. John 5, 24 says this. And this is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. I love that. I love that. It speaks of God's love for us, his desire to change us, and then our desire to walk in that life that he's given us. Life, not death. Life not death. He wants to change your heart and soul. The next thing he wants to change is your character and your desires. Your character and desires. Are you reflecting Jesus? If your eternity is secure, he's going to want to change your character. He wants to make you look more like him, to grow in him. This is called discipleship. That's the church word for studying God's word and allowing God's word, applying it to our lives and to walking in obedience to that. That's discipleship. Discipleship is also being around fellow believers that would encourage you, that would teach you, that would grow you, and that you would be discipled and become more like Christ and learn what he thinks and what he thinks about your life and how I should interact with other people. He wants to change your character and your desires, your identity this is a big part of what this means. Is that your identity is not in your fame. Your identity is not in your accomplishments or what you can do in your own strength. But your identity is found in the one who loves you and cares for you and desires to be in relationship with you. And he sent his one and only son to do that. My identity is found in Christ alone, not in my accomplishments or my trophies. Does everybody understand that? 
And so what God wants to change in our lives is to develop that character that's honoring and loving toward him and toward other people. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and this is the verse that sent me on this whole trajectory, by the way. I read this verse and it wrote the whole talk. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I'm going to have a truth bomb later in a minute, but it's going to talk about the amount of time that we spend with Him matters. If you want to have a genuine change in your life, the amount of time you spend with God matters. Because the time that you spend with Him, it's in that moment that things really start ramping up. And so He changes our heart and soul, He changes our character and desires, and third thing, He changes our purpose and plan. Now, this does not look like He's going to change I mean, some of you are pursuing being a dentist, right? He's not going to change that. But he can't, I mean, he probably could. If it's his plan and you're honoring the Lord with all your heart, you'd be okay with that change. But to be honest with you, he may change your purpose within that plan. It's not that that dentistry school would benefit you, but you would actually use those to glorify him. That you use those gifts and talents and you would use that for the glory of God, not for the pocketbook. Or because I need more money. I think as God changes our purposes and our plans, the hope and the future that he has for us is going to look way different than what our future and hopes may be. Some of y'all know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for the, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for your good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future. But then I add, added verses 12 and 13. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Y'all, that is such good news. That as I seek the Lord with my life, with my future and my plans, when he knows what I want, he put those desires within us, right? If that's true, and I'm honoring the Lord, then man, he's going to fan that flame. We're just joining him in the plan that he has for us. But if he has a plan for us that goes a little bit different, we need to be okay with that as believers in Christ. I wanted to be a pilot. No joke. Top Gun. All day. It came out in the 80s. I was all in, right? Man, put me in an F-14 Tomcat and let me fly off an aircraft carrier. I was all in. My dad was in the military in the Air Force. I got to go out and like walk around on the flight line there at the Air Force Base and got to see the pilots and hang out with them and go to the flight line and all the planes that are out there. Like, I was in it. Like, I got to sit in a couple of planes. I was all in. I thought I was going to be a pilot. And then I went to camp, and the Lord changed everything. You know what? The more I grew closer to the Lord, the more that desire, I probably could really, yeah, okay. that desire really has disappeared because my plans became more like, what he would want for me in my life. And look at where I'm at now. Look at what God's done. And it's all because I surrender to his plan and his purposes. Sometimes he'll change you. Sometimes he'll maximize the gifts and talents that he has in you. And so he wants to change your heart and soul, your character and desires, your purpose and your plans. No, there's ways to avoid it. Some of you will avoid, you'll dodge, you'll check out. You'll think you'll need to do all the, you know, it's all rebellion, every bit of it. 
It's rebellion. A couple of truth bombs and a quote and we'll be done. Time with God produces change. And the more time, the deeper slash greater that change. You guys have an incredible opportunity coming up this weekend to spend some time with the Lord. This has been bothering me the whole time. Tying my shoe. I untied it with the first step. You guys are going to have an incredible opportunity even now and even this weekend. If you're participating in Catalyst, if you're not participating in Catalyst, you can have that opportunity too. And it's a genuine opportunity that you get to, what I call, you get to sit in a bucket full of Jesus. Like you get to immerse yourself and to have a really cool Jesus moment. And the time that you spend there matters. The time that you invest in this weekend and being a part of that weekend can change and alter the course of your life, your spiritual trajectory. It can increase the encounter of the realness and the bigness of who God is in your life. And as I was thinking about this, I came across this quote. I'm reading this book called The Secrets of the Secret Place. You're part of Men in Memphis on Thursday mornings. Many of you don't. But this quote from Bob Sorge, if you want to put that up there, um, I think it's also in your talk sheet there too. But when we step into God's presence, we're exposing ourselves to power. Everything within us changes when we bask in the radiation of his glory. The context of this quote is that he talks about how cancer can get a hold of a body and ruin it. And he takes that illustration of cancer and he flips it on its head. And he says, instead of cancer being a bad thing, what if Jesus was the cancer and he took over your life? And I just started to think about that. I was like, man, that would be awesome. If I just allowed Jesus to be in me and to allow him to affect me, and allow him to change me and to make me more like him. I kind of would welcome that. And that's where he talks about it. He says, the more time that you spend in the Lord, the more time you spend with him, the greater the change will happen. And y'all, if you, if you know that, if you're running in rebellion from the Lord, and you know it because you don't spend time with the Lord. You don't spend time in his word. You're not spending time in worship. You're not spending time in church. You're running. And you're running in rebellion. And I can guarantee you, you're not allowing the Lord to change you because you're running in rebellion. Some of you are believers in Christ and you're running in rebellion. You are checking the box in your church attendance thinking you're okay. But that's not true because you're never spending time alone with him in the word and allowing him to effectively change you from the inside out, to mold you and to make you into the godly man or woman that he would want you to be. And so as a believer in Christ, I hope you're open for change. So, on your talk sheet, I gave you the final thought, and there's the final fill in the blank. This is one you get to fill out. Ooh, I'm not going to give you the answer. I gave you three options. He wants to change your heart and soul. He wants to change your character. He wants to change your purpose. I want you to write in there. What do you believe the Lord wants to change in your heart and your life?